Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Been in a series called This is the Vision. And uh, as we've been talking around vision and uh, four particular areas that we are really refocusing on over this time, and they, they consist of people. You are so precious. You are so precious. Uh, the, the, the church is made up of people. It's not about a steeple. It's not about a building. It's about people. And uh, we, we won't lose sight of that. We, 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 we need encouraging in that. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, we believe in that we're going to see all kinds of people. Is that okay? From all different walks of, uh, of backgrounds, from all different colors, from all different status. And we're all going to be together. Yes, is that okay? That's the kind of church that I believe that God wants to build. And we are building here in Arena Church. There's going to be some irritating people. You may say, I'm looking at it. Okay, you know, please, please don't say that. Please don't say that. <laughs> There's going to be some fun people. Hooray! There might be even some miserable people. Everybody's welcome. So people, but we're also believing for an outpouring of his power, and that comes as a result of us carrying God's presence. You know, God wants to be with every one of us. If it's your first time here and you, know, you don't really know much about God, about Jesus, all I want to say to you is he, he comes close to us. And particularly if you're brokenhearted, the Bible says he comes close to the brokenhearted. He comes close to all of us. The Bible reminds us that if we will draw near to God, then God will draw near to us. And so that's exactly it. He, he really does. And so as we, as we fill ourselves up with his presence, just being reminded of that, we also carry his presence to our world. And then the fourth P, because they've all been P's and Phil would love that, okay? And uh, people, presence, power, and then also provision. I'll come to that in a moment, but just to say that those who have already committed to the legacy builders, thank you. Those who need to, uh, you know, get on with it. We understand that some people are, are deliberating. It seems like that's, and we want to say to you, that's cool. If you're just needing to work that through, that's, that's absolutely cool. There's no pressure from us. It's all free will. But the whole idea is that we'll see 120,000 pounds, which is a huge sum of money for Arena Church, that will enable us to fit out our ministry school that we believe in the generations to come. It's a legacy builders. They're literally going to send stacks of people into the mission field. And we're also wanting to continue to establish our locations. Now, in the time that I've got with you, uh, I want to say this is a bit of a life uh, message. And we have to be careful of that. Phil and I have preached a, a little, uh, uh, you know, for a number of years. And you often hear preachers say, I've got a life message. Basically, what that means is I've got 10 messages. I'm trawling around the world, and I'm too lazy to find another message. That's sometimes what it can be. But in this instance, I want to tell you, this is a bit of a life message for me. And when I was praying about it and asking the Lord and seeking the Lord about this message, I felt it, 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 you know, really stirred to go to this message that I've actually preached in this church, in this location, perhaps 10 years ago. In fact, the guy who was leading us, Kev, I shoved him in this basket. We'll come on to it in a minute. Can you believe that he fit in here? I'd like to see some of you fit in here, not a chance. And I'd like to see me fit in there, not a chance. But this man fit in the basket. And he probably still could, actually. I thought you're looking, looking quite lean. You're spending too much time on the golf course. Is that the word of the Lord, Hannah? Yeah, thanks be to God. There we are. <laughs> so I'll come to that in a moment. But this life message 
is really entitled, There Is More. Please, can you get your pads and your pens? It's really important because this is going to be a word that's going to lay in all your electronic devices. Or can I encourage you beyond this? It's not because I'm sharing it. I do believe this is a word for everybody. Because I want to tell you there is more. I was thinking, it's too, some of you youngsters, you haven't got a clue. Is it, was it Jimmy Cricket? or what, There's a comedian, wasn't it? Or what was it? There's more, there's more, yeah. To be sure, there's more, there's more. I'm not, I'm not about to go down that line, but I do want to say to you, there is, there is more. And this message, I believe, is something for Arena Church, but if I can say, Caroline, it's also for our, for our life, our, our, our marriage, our family. I believe it's for our children. I'm going to personalize it. It's for my grandchildren that are to come. And it's also for your children and for your grandchildren and for your great-grandchildren. And it's for us as a church because there is more that God wants us to step into. Now let me take you to a moment, very quickly, to a character by the name of Caleb. If you've ever read the Bible and come across that man, just give me a wave. Caleb. Now Caleb was friends with Joshua and Joshua became the leader of the nation of Israel. And Caleb and Joshua, they were the ones who went into the promised land and brought a good report. And we, 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 we see that. But then years later, Josh, uh, Caleb is 85. Now, I don't want to be rude, but we've got two people sat, sat in the corner there, Gordon and Joan Sloper, who leave some 20-year-olds standing in terms of their youthfulness and enthusiasm. And we want to say thank you for turning out every single uh, Sunday and being here. I just want to say particular to you, thank you. And I know there's others, but, you know, I'm not going to say how old they are because I'll get in trouble, won't I, Joan? But... You get the thought. Caleb was 85 and he was carrying a 45-year promise. And the 45-year promise was, there is a mountain, there is a land for you to inherit. And he goes to Joshua later on, I think it's in Joshua 14, and he basically says to Joshua, give me this mountain. This is my inheritance. What he was basically saying is, there is more for me to step into. I'm 85, I'm still as vibrant, I'm still as vigorous as ever. I'm holding on to a 45-year promise. Let me say to you, if some of you are holding on to a 45-month promise, it may be a 45-week promise, it might be that God extends you to 45 years, but if God has said it, he will deliver it. The promises of God, God is not a man that should lie. And I want to encourage you in that. And Caleb went to Joshua and took a hold of that mountain because he knew there was more for him to step into. The verse that I really run to is found in Ephesians in chapter 3 and verse 20. It'll come on the screen. And this is what it says, Now to him, now to God, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. This is a text that we're going to run from, and uh, we'll come back to it in, 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 a sh in a short while, but I just want to say this. God, from these verses, is saying to us, I am able to do so much more. I am wanting to do so much more. I am wanting to do super abundantly so much more. And how does that happen? His power at work within us as we partner with God. One contemporary version around these verses says this, God can do anything you know. Do you know that? God can do anything you know. I was in prayer gatherings. I've been in um, campus pastors, team meetings, and interestingly, this phrase, there is more, has come through on three or four occasions. 
I really believe that we, we are presently, Arena Church is in a season, and we have been in a season, not just because of the pandemic, of waiting. There is a season of waiting when you're carrying a baby and you are waiting. That baby is growing inside of you in readiness for the expected delivery. And I really do sense that we're carrying something in this moment. Carrying something of vision in our hearts. God is wanting to do so much more in our lives. God is wanting to birth and has been birthing something in us. And we have to begin to see the new thing of God, what God is wanting to do. Now that's great. You may say, wonderful, we're going to have all rainbows and unicorns and we're all going to go skipping down the street and all the promises of God are going to come ours and there's so much more, how do you know? In fact, if you're allowed to, yeah, tap your neighbor and just say, there's more, there's more. Now, there is more, but if you think it's just going to happen, you're dreaming. For those who know Jesus, as soon as you stepped into Jesus, you signed up to a new kingdom. You signed up to a new authority. You may not have realized that before you were a follower of Jesus, you were part of the authority in the kingdom of darkness. You may say, well, I didn't do particularly dark things. No, some people do extreme darkness. But let me tell you, before I became a Christian, I was living out of the kingdom of darkness. But as soon as I became a Christian, I didn't literally sign on the dotted line, but I knew that my, the kingdom had changed. I was no longer following my ways and Satan's ways. I was now going to follow God's ways. And there is a kingdom that you step into. If you've never stepped into that here today, I will be encouraging you at the end to step in to following Jesus. And this is the thought. As soon as we step into the kingdom of, of, of light... Then there's all the promises of God that become ours. They really do. They become yes and amen in Christ Jesus. God says the life that you've been living, I've got so much more that I want to do in your life. He didn't just give us, came to give us life. He came to give us fullness of life. Can I just raise a yes behind your mass? It's true. He didn't just say, oh, I came to give you an intimacy life. He said, I came to give you fullness of life. But there's the issue. The enemy hates, enemy hates people living out the purposes of God. He will do everything he can to contend and stand against us. And we have to be mindful and we have to be aware of the fight that we are going to enter into. Because if you are wanting to step into the more, you are going to have a battle on your hands. And that is why I have a firm conviction. Some Christians realize that. The fight becomes too fierce and they step back to living, I'm going to say it, a mediocre, mediocre Christian life. God has not called us to live mediocre lives. He has not called us to live Christian mediocrity. He has called us to live a big, large, spacious life. I know I'm speaking to some people here today and you feel like you want to squirm. I get it. Because you've been living way below where God wants you to be. But we have to understand three things that the enemy does. Before I get there, I just want to read a passage to us, if I may. From 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 11 through to 13. It's from a contemporary version of, of, of the Bible. But it really helps us to land it. This is what it says. Dear, dear Corinthians. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. I can't tell you. Listen to his language, guys. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how much I long, long for you to enter this 
wide open, spacious life. Does that sound amazing as we just come out of this lockdown? We've been, we've been crawling up the walls, yeah. We, we know what it's like to feel boxed in and, spa- and, and, and fenced in. Then he says, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. He was not slamming them. He was not laying the hammer on them. He was speaking out of a father's love to this church. And he was saying, church, Corinth, there's so much more for you to step into. And then he says, open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. If we are going to fulfill this there is more theme and mantra, then we must be aware of the devil's schemes. And the devil's tactic is like what he was doing with his church at Corinth. Notice the language. Just leave it on there for a moment. He talks about being fenced in, boxed in, living small, living limited lives. And now to the linen basket. Just take, bring your, your attention to here. Because what I did, can you remember it, Kev? I opened up the lid and put Kev in the basket and then slammed the lid. And he did fit in it just. But this is the point. We were never meant to live in a box. We were never meant to live fenced in. We're meant to live with boundaries. I'm all for boundaries. Don't think you can do what you want and everything's case or or whatever it will be, will be. The Bible's very clear on boundaries and things that will help us with our lives. I'm actually glad that we've got a speed limit because it prevents a lot more accidents happen. Yes, amen. Even though you may have had a speeding ticket, I've had them. I'm glad that we've got laws that keep us centered. Yes? There are some boundaries that are really good that keep us firmly rooted and in place. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that can be put on us and we end up living boxed in, limited, fenced lives. Anybody feel boxed in? I'm not talking about a lockdown. In your spirit, you've just been boxed in. You've been boxed in for so long. And God is saying there is so much more. And this is what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. He was saying, come on, stop living small lives. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. And he says to them how to get free. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. I realized there were three lids that the enemy comes and tries to put down on our lives. The first one is difficult starts. Difficult starts. The lid of difficult starts. I've come across it so many times. Paul says the smallness you feel comes from within you. Comes from within you. And people have insecurities. And sometimes we can't quite work out why we have them. But if you was to trace the steps back to, I'm not wanting to all, all go back to the womb and all that kind of stuff. I'm really not. But all I am saying to you is there are some things that may have been, we've picked up along the way that have created insecurities. The insecurity of geography. What do you mean by geography? I was born in the wrong street, in the wrong side of town, with the wrong people, from the wrong family. The insecurity of education, I didn't get one. I messed around, I wasn't encouraged to go to school. The insecurity of family background, my dad was in prison. 
My granddad was in prison and it creates an insecurity. People have been born into pain, abuse, all kinds of abuse that have happened. And people often say, why does God do those things? God doesn't do any of those things. It's man's evilness and it's man's free, free will choice that creates those issues. But I don't understand why some people have to go searching through some things, but people have an insecurity or it holds them back. It's a lid, a limitation. How about the insecurity of prison and crime? Some people even in here, I'm not going to highlight them, are prisoners, ex-prisoners, ex-criminals. Notice I use the word ex. They no longer do that. I am so glad that you guys are here today. You know who you are. I so love you guys. I love that we've got criminals sitting with so-called professionals and nobody would know any difference. Don't you think that's great? I think that's awesome. I really do think that that shows the redeeming power of God that we were singing about today. God's redemption. And don't, let me, don't ever let it said, said of you, God could never change you. God can do anything you know. God can do anything you know. <laughs> I love it. How about the, the insecurity of, of, of divorce? People who've been divorced. Stigmas, mistakes, fails. Let me sum it up. It's all brokenness. And I want to tell you, if you've had a difficult start, it's not how you started or where you started, it's how you finish. It's how you finish. Now, some things come to us and it brings shame and embarrassment and regret. But I want to encourage you, difficult starts, blow it off. Blow it off. If you've had a difficult start, blow it off. Even this morning, blow it off. Don't allow those things to limit where you are. I was reading recently Isaiah 61 verse 7. It says this, instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. <laughs> instead of disgrace, you'll receive an inheritance. I love these verses. Secondly, the lid of distorted thinking. Distorted thinking. Paul said to this church, your lives aren't small, but you're living in them in a small, small way. They were thinking small. And by the way, if something is distorted, distorted, it means it's pulled, twisted, out of shape. It's contorted. This shape, you will never be purposed to be. And this is what happens in our minds. Our minds have gone somewhere. They have been distorted by the culture, by the values, by the behaviors of this world. Maybe even some things that you've stepped into. And it's created a distorting in your mind. This affects the way you think. And the way you think is the way you live. And the way you think is the way you behave. And I want to tell you, Satan comes and wants to put us in a box with distorted thinking. He speaks negativity over our lives, even as Christians. How many times as Christian believers we've heard the doubt, you could never do that. Look at where you've come from. You're pathetic. You're weak. You're useless. Anybody ever had that as a Christian believer? Or is it just me? It's clearly just me. But as those outside of Christ, so many negative things that have been spoken over you. Negative words, dark words, small thinking. When you've had an aspiration, somebody's pushed it down. They've pushed it down on you. Because they said that couldn't happen to people like us. Wow. You know those kinds of things I want to get and just 
dropkick it. They're not, the, they're not the thinking that I want to live with, Kev. That's not the kind of life. You know, people will say, I don't want to jump too far. You couldn't have these kind of things, good things, church things, happen in an arena with Ilkeston. Why not? When I hear that, I get it. Bang! I want to drop kick it. I don't want to live with distorted thinking. I don't want to live with distorted thinking over my life or over the church. And we've got to discern the devil's works and ways. And we've got to take captive of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Jonathan reminded us on a small group prayer. We have a small group business meeting that we've been doing on Zoom. And he reminded me, Deuteronomy 28, when he prayed this, he said, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You'll be at the top and not the bottom. And that's where God wants us to live. But thirdly, very quickly, dark days. So not only distorted thinking, but also dark days. And if I could just encourage you to come on to the uh, first Tuesday uh, Zoom meeting on, on Tuesday, Tuesday the 1st at 7 p.m. Because I'm actually going to be speaking. We've already pre-recorded it. It's locked and loaded. And I'm going to speak into dark days and what dark days do in us. And how we can pastor our way through dark days. But dark days can certainly inhibit us and, li- and limit us, can't they? We want to go into a, into a cave. There's a new book that's just been written by a Christian pastor out of the cave. We go into a cave. We go into a dark place. We go into a lid. We go to limitations because of dark days. And King David in Psalm 18 verse 6 says this, In my distress I cried. I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. Let me just say to you, dark days do not have to inhibit you. They can actually define you. They can distinguish you. They can be a springboard into the more. Dark days are the doorways to brighter days. I need to say that again. Dark days are the doorway to brighter days. I really believe it with all my heart. Don't allow dark days, the darkest of days, to stop you. Acts 16, Paul and Silas were in a prison. It's amazing how the, the Luke writes, and it's, it's an interesting thought, at midnight. Why does God wait till midnight? Why, why, why does he, he's always in my life, you're waiting for the miracle, and why does he, he just, because he's developing something in us. And dark days, they were in the dark days, they were shackled in a prison. But as they began to praise and worship God as we've done today, the chains fell, the prison was shook, the lids were taken off. And they entered into something and a salvation came to that prison and to, that, to those prisoners and to the prison keepers. Amazing. We've got to deal with these three things. Difficult starts, distorted thinking, dark days. If you don't discern them and if you don't deal with them, Tim, they will stop you from moving into the more. Is that okay? Have you got it? It's really important. Some people really need to get this. And by the way, this message is, the, the, is, is, is great really because it's going around the campuses. You've got me live. They've got it on video and online. They're hearing the same thing. But I really do believe it sits over Arena Church. We have to deal with these three things. But now back to the text. Are you still with me? Yeah. Ephesians 3 verse 20. This is what it says. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... According to his power that works in you. And we have to race quickly because of time. But you've heard me quote this before. There was a, a, an English preacher of the 1800s by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
And he interpreted this verse with these words. Listen to it very carefully. He is able to do, talking of God, he is able to do exceeding abundantly, so abundantly that it exceeds measure and description. Therefore, he, God, is able to do all things and able to do super abundantly above the greatest abundance. Wow, have you got it? I thought we'd have had more. Whoa, this is... Honestly, this is amazing. God is wanting to do abundantly, super abundantly more than the greatest abundance in our lives. There's more. There's more. So where could God do more? Well, let me give you three things. Firstly, in you. Everybody say with me, in you. Now say, in me. His power working in you. God is wanting to do more in you. He's wanting to shape and change our minds, our hearts. He's wanting to develop and cleanse our characters. He's wanting to deepen our faith. He's wanting to increase our capacity. These are all things that he wants to do in us. He wants his purposes, God's heart, our characters, to be formed, to become more like Jesus. He takes us on a faith journey, a stretch of faith where we believe God for the immeasurably more. We step into whatever the more is that God is wanting to bring to our lives. And this is a great example for me when we arrived in, in Ilkeston 21 years ago because Caroline and I, uh, increasingly, and Phil prophesied this over me, you may remember, that I live with a holy frustration. Not frustrated, but a holy frustration. And it's given from God. And there was more to that word. You probably can't remember it, Phil, because it released from you. It's, it's mine now. But, 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 but I believe it, and I'm being poured out. So if sometimes you hear uh, a frustration, I want to tell you, I'm hoping that most of the time it's holy. But there's a holy frustration because when I look at the world, I see so much brokenness. Anybody else? I see a broken world. I see people who, are having, who never get a second chance. I see marriages being damaged and being smashed. I see addicts on our streets. And when I came here, I saw churches empty. And they always had the smallest buildings in back streets. They had no life, no influence. In fact, most people scoffed at the church and that created a holy frustration in me. I thought, this is not how we are going to live, Arena Church. We want the biggest buildings in the most prominent locations. We want it pulsating with all kinds of people. We want it hundreds of people. We're going to plant to the left and to the right, north, south, east and west. We don't want ever that we're oh, all like, like Oliver, more please. We want to have an abundance of generosity. It created a holy frustration. And this God working in us started me dreaming. And as Phil's reminded us, a vision is creating a new preferred future. And I began, and we began to plot out a new preferred future. And if you think we're going to sit back, sorry, I'm going to be crude here. We're going to sit back. 
Not, we don't believe in smoking. If you're, if you're on a journey, that's your journey. I'm, I'm just... They blow those ringlets, don't they? <laughs> oh, I'm having some fun now. I always get like this. This side. We're not going to do it. Why are we not going to do it? Three words. Help me. There is more. Come on, guys. There is more. While you think it's brilliant, you know, we'd normally be at full capacity. This place pulsating with kids and whatever, and all the locations open. I want to tell you, there's still thousands that are lost, that are broken, that are hurting, that are in pain. And we want to serve them in Jesus' name. We want to see heaven populated, and we want to see hell diminished, yes? God wants to work in us. Secondly, his power at work through you. Not just in you, but through you. Everybody say, through you. Come on, help me, through you. He wants to touch those things, listen carefully, that are important and precious to you. I've talked quite a bit about the church, but let me tell you, God wants to touch those things that are important and precious to you, your family, your children, your home, your business, your career. In the context of being submitted to Jesus, let me tell you, God wants to do something through you. He will use your life to touch and bless those areas that I've just mentioned, those things that seem impossible. Some of our church have kids that, you have kids that aren't serving the Lord and grandchildren that aren't serving the Lord and in fact doing their own life and making an absolute mess of it. God wants to do immeasurably more through you so you can touch their lives. That's a word for somebody today. You all got to hold on. There's more. There's more for that child. There's more for that grandchild. There's more for that marriage. Can I raise an amen? He wants to work through us, but he also wants to work through us, as I've said, in regards to church. And I just want to throw this out. Time is well and truly gone, but I have to say this to you. We have not just legacy builders, which is wonderful, and we're going to believe God. Even this morning, I received an email, somebody saying, I want to put a few thousand pounds into the legacy builders. It's just great. God's just doing it. There's an outflowing of generosity. It's wonderful. I've had other people who are saying, look, I'm just going to save a little bit. And they've not got great means, but I'm going to give away all my coffee or all my, I'm going to have a packed lunch instead of meals from the cabin and whatever. And I'm going to save all that money and throw it in. Terrific. So we're going to believe for that. But how about this, guys? Next door is for sale. Have you seen it? Orchard Kitchens is for sale. Next door. We're plotting a course. We can't tell you any more than that because we don't know any more, but we're believing for the more. We're believing for the more. And actually, Gordon Slopery said to me, it was almost like a prophetic word, Gordon. I told you this. Well, we've got to take hold of that. Yes, we have. And then you start to think, oh, okay, well, that's great. But where are we going to get that money from? A few hundred thousand pounds. But I want to tell you, it's a slight thing for the Lord to hand Orchard Kitchens into our hands. We're believing in Jesus' name for God to do the immeasurably more through us. 
We're believing for the impossibilities to be made possible. And we're going to continue to make a move. Because as God does something in us, he then does something through us. As we are blessed, we become, become conduits of blessing. Thirdly, I'm racing through these for you. Everybody say for you. God is wanting to do the more for you. The reason why I say this is because often people have a distorted view of blessing. And this comes through excessive teaching. By the way, we're not a prosperity church and we have no interest in being a prosperity church. We've talked for the last two or three weeks quite a bit about money and generosity and stewardship. But that's pretty much what, all you're going to get. We're not, we're not into that stuff. Just to be clear. Is that okay? So if you like that stuff, well, please join us. But you're, you're going to get upset if we're not talking about it all the time. Equally, if you've had no teaching or you've come from a place where I don't like all that stuff, you're probably going to be a little bit uncomfortable because we have a balanced view. We believe that God wants to bless our lives so we can be a blessing to others. And we also believe that God does, in fact, want to bless our lives. God does want to bless us. He wants to bless your life, body, soul, and spirit. Do you believe that? God wants to do the immeasurably more in your life. And as our motives are pure and our hearts are set on him, what I've realized is this, God does it. When I want it for myself, God says you can't have it because you can't handle it. But when your motives are pure and your hearts are set on him, God begins to do little things with your life and sees how you're faithful with what he gives you. And then when you're faithful with those small things, God begins to give you bigger things because he's a God who wants to work in us as well and for us. This is what it says in Psalm 118 verse 15. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I've chosen that verse because I really want somebody, I felt the Lord say to me, you've got to get a picture in your mind of the Lord's right hand which speaks of his power. And the Lord's right hand, and there's many references in the Old Testament and the New Testament to the Lord's right hand. And the Lord's right hand is stretched towards us. The Lord's right hand is stretched towards those whose hearts are set on him. And he's wanting to move with power and authority in your life. And he's looking for a group of people, a body, who will rise up, not with arrogance, with great humility, but with an authority that will carry the presence and power of God to this world. Can I raise an amen? So he's wanting to work in you, through you, and for you. As I conclude, there is more for every child and young person. There aren't many of them here today. There's a few little kiddies. You're probably thinking, who is this guy at the front waving his arms and, you know, going a bit crackers? I want to tell you, you kids, I just want to allow this to wash up. There's more in your life. There's more that sits over you. I really do want our kids, our young people to be blessed. They're the head and, and not the tail. They're at the top and not the bottom. Can we raise it? Yes. Over your grandkids. Come on. Over your grandkids. Over your kids in Jesus' name. There's more for every doomed marriage. There's more for every prisoner an ex-prisoner. I'm going to enjoy speaking this over the um, Hub Campus Lisa. There's more for them. 
There's more for the successful in life. There's more for the educated. There's more for the business owners. There's more for the broken. There's more for every professional. If you're at the top of your game, there's more for you to enter into. And there's also more for the homeless and the downtrodden person. There's more for the retirees. I'm not looking anywhere. There's more for every orphan, every widow, and every widower. There is more. There's more for Belper and the Hob and Ilkeston and Mansfield and Nottingham and Toulouse and online and across the M1 corridor and the nations of the world. We want to step into the more. I wonder if we bow our heads. I wonder if the guys had come.